0: She was more like a beauty queen from a movie screen I Said don't mind but what do you mean I am the one who would dance on the floor and around She said I am the one who would dance on the floor and around
1: Okay, welcome to another episode of Z-List Radio. I'm Ro Hurley, and with me is Chris Otto, and today we have a special guest, a good friend of mine, um, straight from New Jersey, Chauncey Hayden, gossip columnist. Welcome, Chauncey. Hey,
2: bro. thanks for having me.
1: Hey, no problem. I've been meaning to have you for a long time. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that.
2: (laughs) I was gonna say that's what I heard.
1: <laughs> so what's shaking? So you've got you've stirred up some controversy recently. Um, with what your, else is new? Yeah, really, <laughs> the king of controversy. Here. With your, um, you wrote an article about um, Michael Jackson. You called him the asshole of the week, nice. and and uh, you said some things that everyone's just buzzing about. You you basically called him for what he was, which everyone seems to be afraid to, and you called him a, um, let's see... Pedophile. Yeah, it says, I refuse to jump on the rest in peace, we love you, Michael, bandwagon and shed tears over someone who was so fucking despicable. Now, those are pretty harsh words, but it's true, right? I mean...
2: Yeah, well, you know, you know how I felt? I, I was watching the news
1: mm-hmm.
2: for a couple of days, and I, I couldn't believe the hypocrisy that ha- how... We, we can report on this guy for, for months and months that he, he, he uh, would bring children into his bed and feed them what he called a concoction uh, called Jesus juice, which was wine, according to the children <laughs> that, that they interviewed on TV. They even, they even interviewed him personally where he, he even admitted he said, Hey, you know, I sleep with children, don't you? And the interviewer at the time said, No, I don't, I wouldn't. And, and even though so he wasn't convicted of pedophilia, it, there, there was so many things that were, that he had himself admitted to. It was just sickening now that we're crying over someone who was despicable. I mean, I say in the article, he was a deadbeat. He was a drug addict. And he hadn't had a hit song in, what, 20, 25 years and even if he had a hit song last year, so what? It doesn't excuse abusing children. And if it was you or I or anyone else that did the same things that he did, we would have been lynched. And I ju- it just got so sickening to me that every night on the news, they would just cry over this, this, this terrible person. I, I, I was fuming. And so yeah. when it came time to have my column... I said, enough is enough. Yeah. I, I, I said, I'm going to scream as loud as I can scream to the high heavens that, are we insane? Is yeah. this the same guy that we, we've watched on TV for the last 20 years? morph into? I say in the article, one of his characters from Thriller. Right. And so I went ahead, I, I wrote it, I published it, and I got to tell you, 95% of the responses I've gotten have been anti-Michael Jackson and everyone loves the article, which gives you a sense of how people really feel and the news isn't reporting it. They're right. afraid. Every news outlet is afraid to say that this guy was despicable. No one will do it.
1: Now, does it kind of remind you of, like, the O.J. trial, how how no <laughs> one could say that O.J. was guilty, you know?
2: Well, it's funny. O.J. W- was more almost like a black-and-white thing, you right. know? If you were black, you couldn't say it. If you're white, you know you love saying it, and it became a real racist issue. It was a dividing line. And this is different. This this is more. It's not really a black and white thing so much. It's just afraid to say that this guy, because so many people do love him,
3: right.
2: no legitimate news outlet will say. What he was,
1: right? And
2: I don't even—I don't even think it's a racist thing. I just think it's, for lack of a better term, scaredy cats. Yeah, <laughs> now they're just afraid.
1: I think you're right. Yeah, uh,
4: yeah. And it's you the don't same want to crash.
1: Yeah,
2: you don't want to crash Michael Jackson.
4: Like that Martin Bashir, the guy who made his bones and right. got a Nightline for for tearing Michael Jackson down, is now on Michael Jackson on TV as an expert defending Michael Jackson.
2: Exactly. No one, everyone thinks it's going to be career-ruining to be the one, the one journalist to on in and say, you know, thank God this guy's dead. This guy was, you know, eating up children left and right. Like, this guy built a, a, a ranch with mm-hmm. amusement parks and, and exotic pets to lure children in, mm-hmm. get them inside his compound. Once he got the trust of the parents, would get them inside his house, feed them booze, whatever they, he had to do to loosen them up, and got them into bed. And that was the end of the story for the kids. And and there was a long, long line of children that were were caught into that evil web of Jackson's. And and I I refuse to cry over this guy. I say, Thank God the guy's dead. Thank God. Yeah. But no one before any other child was hurt. Thank God he's dead so his own children have a chance. Yeah. You know.
1: Do you think that um that it was going on still? I mean, do you think that he touched his own kids or I mean
2: well, yes. Let's face it; they want his kids. I yeah, mean, that's true. What, they they want his sperm. They they had nothing really to do with Michael Jackson except that he he paid for them.
1: Yeah, exactly. He paid for them. Did you see the picture of the of the dermatologist who supposedly fathered whose sperm it was? It's like if I was going to pick genes yeah. f- for my kids, <laughs> I would not pick that troll looking motherfucker. That's for sure.
2: <laughs> you know? I mean, well, he was. He didn't care. He just want you know. He just anyone who was willing. To do it and keep their mouths shut mm-hmm. was what he was interested in. He didn't want any publicity from it. He didn't want anybody going to the tabloids. He had to have people in his inner circle that he knew he could pay, and he was big on that. He yeah. didn't pay for anything. I mean, he paid $20 million to the first kid that accused him of, of, of having sex with him.
3: Yeah.
2: Which goes back to the other thing no innocent man pays $20 million to clear, to, to throw a case out of court. You would be fighting tooth and nail. You would use that $20 million to clear your name. You'd be so outraged. That's true. You'd be outraged. If you had $20 million, you'd use it in court fees because the court fees would not have cost that much. Exactly. And you would have said to this kid, you prove it in court. You're a liar, and I'm going to fight for my name. Michael Jackson knew. This would be an avalanche of, of horror if, if this got
4: into court
1: was that the so the first case now Chris, you can jump in on this, but the first case was the one where he actually went to court right
4: yeah well, he, he went to court both times Jordan Chandler was the first guy uh he right. told his dad that uh Jackson touched his penis and uh even though the negotiations for the twenty two million dollars were initiated by the Chandler family, Jackson made several counter offers before he, he, they went ahead and agreed for $22 million. And uh, that's <laughs> oh, also when LaToya came out and said he was a pedophile.
1: Yeah, that's uh, right. LaToya, La- LaToya called him out, you know.
4: I, I actually interviewed LaToya at, uh, right soon after the
2: first uh, incident. Do we'll tell. Call, call it the incident. And she even said to me, she goes, Chauncey, there are things going on in my family with Michael that are so horrendous and horrible, and one day it's all going to come out. Whoa. This is from his own sister Who's now They all They knew They all knew The whole family is despicable They're all disgusting people yeah. and, and, and you know what the fact I'm so We should be celebrating We're having that big funeral On, on Tuesday uh, For Michael Jackson It should be a, 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 a Thanking the heavens That this pedophile this, this awful human being Is off the earth Yeah I mean, I that he's dead. Thank God he's dead. Someone should have killed the guy. Yeah. The hurting children.
1: If the parents weren't busy pimping out the kids, then th- they should have been outraged, you know, but oh, they yeah. were probably so the happy. Parents,
2: yeah, yeah. The, well, the, the parents were no better, but, that, mm-hmm. but I've gotten letters about that saying, well, what about the parents? Well, yeah, of course. What about the parents? They're just as bad. But we're not talking about the parents. We're talking about the media's praising of this despicable human being, mm-hmm. Michael Jackson. That's what the topic is. That's wh- who died, and that's what everyone's afraid to say. Yeah. And so I just, I just couldn't hold, hold it in. And it is funny because the Village Voice ended up printing the whole article a- a- in Michael Musto's column, and it just has taken off. Like, so many people have hopped on board this thing saying, thank God, thank God, for the most part. The only, once in a while, you'll, 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 you can tell by the emails, you'll get a young girl One girl said... You look like you're fifty years old. How do you even know who Michael Jackson is? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Michael Jackson has been a star since you were a kid. You know, come on. Of course, that was the one.
2: I'm like, <laughs> he's our generation. You don't even know who he is?
1: <sighs> no. See that. That's why I think there's so much outpouring is because he was everyone's generation, and and people yeah. grew up with him, and so it's like he was a fixture, and he his voice was so recognizable, and his persona was so recognizable. People just want to live in that fucking fantasy world and think.
2: It's you a fa- it's a crazy yeah. fantasy, It's a, yeah. a, 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 and it's insane to me. I mean, when O.J. dies, are we just going to talk about his Heisman Trophy win? I mean, is that all we're going to talk about, how yeah. great of an athlete O.J. was?
1: Well, did you no. see um, Madonna and Bono both um, went on stage oh. and did, like, tributes to Michael Jackson?
2: <laughs> I saw Madonna. It's how disgusting. And <laughs> yeah. She, she's, she's as bad as he is. Oh, I, she's I mean, a fucking
1: publicity whore to the max, man. She's like... With that
2: big British accent. Yeah. I can't stand what Madonna's come, become. Yeah. And Bo is another one. They're all, they're all hypocrites. They're all so fucking afraid. Mm-hmm. What, who's going to stand up for these kids? Yeah. Who's stand, what are these? Which of these great politicians and pop stars are going to stand up for the kids that got fucked in the ass by Michael Jackson? Yeah. Who's going to stand up for them? Nobody. Exactly. Oh, I, I've gotten letters from uh, women who have been abused as children at, praising the article, saying, thank God, thank God. Because unless you've been abused as a child by an adult, you know, it's very hard to, to understand or relate to the horror of it and how it affects you into your adult life. Uh, how you, be, you know, through alcoholism, drug abuse and depression, mm-hmm. what it does to you.
0: Yeah.
2: A- and, and you add Michael Jackson to the mix and it's compounded a thousand times over. Yeah, you know the the complications from it and the horror. Well, this can you imagine have...
1: the kids who were treated like the bad guy because he called Michael Jackson out on it? You know?
2: Yeah, yeah. You oh, you can't. You can't. He yeah. can do every You can't say anything. And 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 that's been the whole gist from the media. And uh, I don't know. I, I just couldn't stand for it. I couldn't couldn't take it.
1: Have you seen um, Joe Jackson turning the whole thing into like a publicity circus for his new <laughs> record label?
2: <laughs> well, yeah, and and he did the thing with the sunglasses. Yeah. I, I, actually, I love that. For some reason, <laughs> I don't know why, but I find that.
1: <laughs> well, he he had this one press conference, and he's got like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson hanging <laughs> around him. Right, the biggest. I mean, they're like the black version of Gloria Allred, and um. And then he's got this big giant purple gorilla behind him. Did you see that? I was just busting up. I haven't at that.
2: seen that. I haven't <laughs> seen that. Oh my god!
1: And then and then the other one where he's he's talking about how sad he is and how sad the family is. And oh by the way, I started this new record label, and <laughs> it's like oh yeah, it's like it's, his father didn't even love him. You know, come on.
2: Well, what do you see? What's going to gonna happen? Yeah, well, I mean, wait over the next year, what you see these crazy Jacksons doing mm-hmm. in terms of infomercials and all kinds of crazy stuff, yeah. trying to squeeze every dime they can. You know, because let's face it, Michael was the gravy train. He, Nobody else in our family was making any money anymore. I mean, right. Janet probably, you know, ha- had somewhat of a career, but was on the tail end. Michael was the real golden
1: goose. Right,
2: right. A- and uh they're gonna squeeze that goose so hard over the next year you're not gonna believe yeah.
4: it.
1: Yeah, I bet. And his music's <laughs> gonna be on commercials, and oh his, my, his oh. face is gonna be on oh, product. Yeah. And-,
4: and so is all the Beatles music now too, which is great.
1: Yeah, didn't he build yeah, those yeah. back to McCartney though? I think he No. No. Was he that still a rumor? owns
4: uh, Yeah, that's a rumor. He still oh. owns pretty much all of the Beatles. He wouldn't give he wouldn't give McCartney shit. Yeah. Well the
2: court the court battles are gonna be interesting. You're gonna hear about all the you know, the, the inner fighting from the family.
3: Right.
2: And, and those associated, you know, in that inner circle. Oh, it's gonna be great. I mean get used to it because literally I would say for the next year or two it's gonna be headlines in the news. Yeah. That's all we're gonna talk about. You know, it's gonna and wait till all the kids start coming forward. You're gonna start some of the tabloids, I'm sure, are going to start paying all the victims to tell their stories. Yeah, That's what I'm waiting you know, it's,
4: for. It's for the kids to come out and finally say what actually happened.
2: Yeah, yeah. But now you're going to start hearing it without fear of being sued because the dead can't sue. So it's going to be interesting.
1: I, I was reading about one of the kids on the smoking gun. It, it had his court testimony, and he was saying, uh, well, Michael Jackson kissed me and put his tongue in my mouth, and I said, I don't like that. And then Michael Jackson started crying. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck?
4: We've well, done but that. Yeah,
2: but let's, let's cry. But
1: that,
2: and you know where to smoke this fuck? That's one, one time is enough, as far as I'm concerned, to get yeah. a death sentence. Yeah. If there's one... There's gotta be dozens and dozens and dozens. God only knows how many there are.
1: Yeah. Well you know who's probably really happy that he's dead right now is the Carradine family. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Oh, oh. <laughs> that, that's a good point, actually. That's a great point. Wipe they, that right off the headlines. <laughs> they should be investigated for killing Michael Jackson. Right. They may they, they have something to do with it.
1: Exactly.
4: Yeah, Governor Sanford.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a good
2: point. <laughs> Did you Dude. see that picture of David Carradine in the fishnet stockings and yeah. the, old, the lipstick?
1: Oh, my God. And then the <laughs> autopsy photo, they still had the little leather string tied to his genitals you know it's like oh my god how did that guy tie himself up like that you know
2: yeah that that, that is pretty wild that that makes me laugh but i mean that's off topic but come on yeah that, that's funny as hell i mean what a way to go yeah no kidding how do, you, how do you even how do you even tie yourself up like you're right how do you even die like that you know who, well, what who you wants do is to die?
1: Yeah, Chris can tell you all about that. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> I mean, but why? I, I never understood. And you know me, like I, yeah. I, I, I'm pretty open-minded. But that's that's one thing that I never got into. I never could understand why people would want to put a rope around their neck to get off.
1: Uh, that's Chauncey saying he's pretty open-minded. You're a fucking pervert. <laughs> he's pretty open-minded. Never that's proven that. in court.
2: Excuse me. I've never been proven yeah. in court.
1: Yeah. So hey, let's move on to the to Howard yeah. Stern. Sure. So, just a little bit of history for—I don't know if everyone still listens to Howard Stern or not—but Chauncey was integral in when Howard Stern first started. Chauncey used to go on with Kenneth Keith and um, a lot of others, and, and you were actually in the beginnings of the Whack Pack, right? Like the first days yeah. of Whack Packery. Yeah, you know,
2: it's kind of funny. I always kind of danced on the fringes of it. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I never was really quite wacky enough to be a Whack Packer, right. but never normal enough. Not to be, so it was kind of like a, a gray area
4: that right. I danced
2: in and out of, you know. You were
4: more like a Dominic Barber, where you call, or even like a Vinny that would call in with information. Rather, than
2: yeah, like- I mean, it, it started. Well, it started. It, it started in 1989 uh-huh. when I got into a fight with Sam Kennison, and how it uh, it was in the newspapers, and how it started reading the article about it, and uh, wanted to speak to me because he couldn't believe that Sam got into a fight you know with mm-hmm. a journalist and so I went on the air and ever since then I, it was a weekly thing then turned to a daily thing it just snowballed and it was great and, and those early days was great because Stepping Out had just started out we were a very young magazine in our first year and so and at the time every single person in the country was listening to the Howard Stern show mm-hmm. I mean you're talking about something that's never been done will never be done again in terms of listenership so in those early days when we were trying to, to get people to know about the magazine and, and get advertising for Howard Stern to be saying stepping out all the time. You know, he was trashing us. Everyone knew stepping out. I mean, right. coast to coast. So the advertising increased, and, and uh, the magazine really took off early, which, you know, I owe a lot of our success to. And, um, you know, it's, it's a sad how it turned so bad and ugly 20 years later. But if you had to go down in flames, I mean, I think it was great the way I went down.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I do, I do too. Now you, you were you were living with Debbie Tay, right? The space yeah. alien chick. She, she was, yeah. a, she was like one of the first Whack Packers too.
2: She was one of the first, yeah, yeah.
1: And she, she thought she was a space alien, right?
2: She was. Well, there were two names for Debbie Tay. She was known as the space lesbian and a space alien. Uh-huh. You know, everybody. Calls of different things, but she was because she, she put on this character where she was kooky and kind of over the top wacky, and she was bisexual, so you know that that was the title Howard gave her, and it took on, you know, morphed into other titles mm-hmm. similar, but yeah, that the, I think most of them were a space alien, yeah.
1: And then, and so Debbie um, died of a heroin overdose, yes, and and your first lawsuit involving Stern had to do with when you brought her ashes into the studio.
2: Yeah, that that was so horrible. A lot of people forget about that. That that was she had passed away, and you know she was such a big part of the show then, and I was pretty big part of it too. So Howard was shocked that the two of us. He didn't know the two of us were together. Uh So we started talking on the air about it, and I was so upset. I mean, I was crying on the radio. I was actually so upset. Right. And Howard said, "Well, we should have a memorial for Debbie." um, I, I hear that you have her remains. I said, yeah, I, actually I do. He said, would you be willing to bring them down to the studio and we'll have her on a memorial? And, and, you know, at the time I thought, oh, Debbie would have loved this. Like, this would just, you know, she would have loved it. Yeah, so she said, would yes, have,
1: definitely, right? She would
2: have. <laughs> yeah. So I said, sure. So I, I went down to the studio with the ashes. And it also, there was a, a side note to it because they promised that they would give a lot of plugs to, um, there was a clinic in the East Village at the time that w- was, um, was, wasn't sponsored by the government or anything. It was, it was operated just on charity from donors to help drug addicts for mm-hmm. free. Mm-hmm. They could just go into this place and get help. So they were going to promote that. Anyway, I think it was called the Harm Center. Uh, I went down, and it turned into something so horrible because Howard, he took the ashes, and he was so curious. He took the lid off. And then he started going into the box and taking the remains, which, and it's, I don't know if you know much about cremation, yeah. but there's two ways of doing it. You can grind the bones and the body into a fine powder, or there's another way of doing it, and I don't think it's as expensive. It's more like a, <laughs> like pieces and chunks.
1: Right, right.
2: And, and so, Debbie was more like, um you know, pieces the size of a quarter, some pieces were the size of a uh, of a dollar or you know something even a little bigger than that and he started pulling the pieces out of the box and holding it up to robin and saying you think this was our skull this looks like a skull you think this her? I, I mean it was just so shocking this was this was a living person about two days earlier you know or three days earlier and, and here we are holding it's how it's holding our pieces up so I, you know it, it just was so i was still in shock of the whole thing and it was all overwhelming to me, and now this was happening, and so uh, very soon after that, within a couple of days, the family um, filed a lawsuit against CBS Radio, Infinity Broadcasting, Howard, and myself for eight million dollars each
3: Whoa. for
2: defamation of a corpse.
3: Whoa. And uh, it went,
2: yeah, it went. To tra- it, w- it actually uh, was in the court system for five years. It was thrown out of the courts. And then they got reinstated, so we thought we were free and clear of it. And then it got picked back up again,
1: right? And became became so, so is,
2: ch-
4: is that a charge or is that a lawsuit? It's a
1: lawsuit. Is it it's like a a lawsuit.
4: Personal... Now who's it the was a law
2: lo- Yeah, it was. There was no charges brought up, but who's it was the uh, in that the the, tape, the Roach family, her
4: family, oh, okay. her brother and sister. Okay, so the dead can sue, I guess, kind of.
2: <laughs> well, not well. They wasn't. They went. They were saying that it was there. They were harmed by it. They they were harmed oh. emotionally, but uh-huh. by the trauma uh, of what happened to their sister on the radio,
3: right?
2: And that it ruined. And that it was embarrassing for their like the the, the brother said that he had to go to work the next day, and his you know he was emotionally devastated, and that. You know, the harassment they took from people, all kinds of legal jargon that they threw out there. It was like 50 pages long, the complaint. And uh, we were 25 hours away from going to trial before they settled our court.
1: So who settled? How we
2: settled with the family, um, I think the, the amount was something for $30,000 or some small, small amount of money, which we soon soon for $8 30000 you know. I, I'm sure they didn't even cover the legal fees. And uh I didn't have to pay anything.
1: Oh so, that's good.
2: But it was a stressful, you know, couple of years.
1: Yeah. So so was <laughs> really
2: upsetting too.
1: Yeah. Well she she was pretty funny on the show. Do you remember her, Chris? When she was the blonde. She was really hot. Oh, uh, she
2: was on the pay per view. You can see her on the um the uh, New Year's Eve pay per view. That's right. Pageant. She came in second.
1: Yeah, that's right. And she had on some low I remember another one, she had on some low cut jeans or something and and she that was did- at the
2: birthday party. Yeah, that's that right, a- with spin doctors right. or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, I remember that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah she well. she was a hot chick. So so yeah. anyway, so then over the years, you build this relationship with Stern in the Stern Show, and you're you're basically right. the villain of the show. Right.
2: You know that? You know well, you know, I, I didn't want to be the kiss ass caller, so I right. would I would call Howard out on anything that I thought he was doing that I thought he needed to be called out on. I never played up to which is now the way they do it now. You call to praise Howard or you don't get on the air. you know. Yeah, oh, and in those days, no. it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. It, you know, it, it, it was a little more let, let's mix it up kind mm-hmm. of uh, atmosphere. So I would call in and, and make fun of Howard or mock him mm-hmm. about something that he said or did, or he would turn it around on me and, and talk about something. And it usually all stemmed from an interview I did, you know. I, every celebrity I would interview, somewhere in the interview, I would say, yeah, so, you know, what do you think of that Howard Stern guy? You know, is he an asshole or mm-hmm. something along those lines? And they would go off and give me their honest opinion, where normally a celebrity would never tell you how they really feel about Howard. I started getting great quotes from, like, Tom Arnold admitted to me that he banned anyone from his show from being friends with Howard, or they <laughs> would kick off the show, you know, which was pretty newsworthy at the time, because Roseanne was a big show. yeah. It was number one, and then Tom Arnold tells me, oh, yeah, if anyone on our show ever did Stern or we even even associate with them, they'd be kicked off the show. Wow. That was big news. So it was always, I got Ellen um, uh, DeGeneres, gave me some great quotes, how she hated Stern. You know, people (laughs) that are so big now, back in those days, were, you know, it was just terrific to get their thoughts. And so many would always read it. And uh, start feuds with celebrities that started from me, from me asking them <laughs> about how they felt about how So, yeah, I guess I was a troublemaker. You yeah, know? you're
1: a definite shit stir. Yeah. So then but then the audience started like this whole hate thing, like, you know, you're the villain and and uh, Right. But but Stern loved you, I think. You you even didn't you even have um, a hand in the writing of private parts?
2: Yeah, when when he was writing his best selling book, Private Parts uh, Rasell Solomon called me up and said, "Howard wants all the quotes you have from celebrities uh to put in the book mm-hmm. you know and, and and if you look at through private parts, every couple of pages has a box with a celebrity's name and a quote about Howard. Those all came from me mm. oh wow which you know a lot of people don't know. And he, he thanks me in the beginning of the book, but I don't think people realize that that's all my work over right. the years
1: right. They just you probably know, so, think someone randomly went in and talked to a celebrity because they were writing the book or something.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that all came from those, those are from the pages of Stepinac magazine.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's interesting yeah. bit of trivia there. So, so then um, it escalated to the point where when John Stuttering John Melendez left the show, um, he put you in as a candidate for getting John's job, right? Get
2: John's job, right?
1: Yeah. And how did you, how did you do? I mean, you, I, I thought I you did well.
2: You know, at that point, I w- First of all, there's a couple things about that. Number one, it was never a contest because we had learned later that Rich Christie was already hired by the show before the contest even began. Yeah, I yeah.
3: heard about he, that. He had
2: already quit his band and moved to New York. Right. <laughs> this contest had not even begun yet, right. so he had already been hired. So the whole thing was kind of a scam. Anyway, um, but but in terms, of, so. I knew going in that there was no way they were going to let me win. There was no way you were going to get enough votes to win because, you know, it, it, it was just all entertainment. That's all right. it was. It wasn't a real contest. So I just did what I felt like doing, knowing that it was just for goofs. And so uh, I, every morning I had to come up with a bit, and, and I don't know. I thought I did some good stuff. I thought finding Bill Juice's mother and sister was a that was major awesome.
1: coup. That Nobody was
2: awesome. even knew he. Nobody ever had spoken to his mother or his sister before that. They didn't even know his sister. He had a sister that existed, let alone oh. that she suffered from the same disease as Beale Juice. Yeah. And, and so I had to go and hunt these people down and convince them to come on the air in person to the studio, which was pretty big.
1: That, that but, I think, was the highlight of your entire, your entire week.
2: I, that I was like big. There, yeah, a lot of people <laughs> like that. Yeah, but the other thing I thought was pretty great was the, the Harlem Ho Beauty Pageant which a lot of people forget about. Oh, well, that's I actually right. Went, I, went th- I went to Harlem uh, the <laughs> night before and got six prostitutes and their pimp to come <laughs> in my SUV, drove them back to my house in New Jersey. They spent the night in my house. They stole from my wife her, her shoe collection <laughs> yeah. that I learned later on that week. And um, I-, I I just kind of took care of them all night in my home got them back in the SUV the next morning and drove them into the city, and it really was a funny bit. We had six real black, you know, from the streets prostitutes doing a beauty pageant and getting into into it as if it was Miss Universe.
1: That's funny, and, it, and that really costs you because your wife's shoe collection, she's a fashion designer, right? She's a couple not,
2: thousand dollars, yeah. Yeah, a it couple. wasn't just
1: like you know going to this dillards or something and getting shoes. These were like designer freaking shoes.
2: Yeah, well, my wife was away um, during that week. She, she let me you know just stay home by myself to focus on the show, so when, she had no idea I'd bought these people into the house. <laughs> so
1: he had to explain and,
2: it. <laughs> yeah, and so the next the next week, when she came back home, I was downstairs and I hear from upstairs, uh Chauncey, who was in the house? And I'm like, Uh nobody why just um, do you wanna think about that again? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no Just <laughs> Oh my shoes are missing <laughs> I mean and I knew I knew the jig was up and I was in big trouble.
1: Chauncey, like if 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 I was married to Chauncey, it would remind me of like Chauncey's like I Love Lucy. He's like Lucy, always like getting into sh- shit, but it's like really really perverse <laughs> shit. So like if it was like the opposite of I Love Lucy, that would be like living with Chauncey. Because I'm
2: so good natured <laughs> and you don't mean any harm, but it always turns into a disaster. And uh, but that but, so that week you had the Hummel Beauty pageant, you had um, Beetlejuice. And then you had, the, you know, of course, the last day, which I'll tell you, I I knew the last day. I had to do something that people would talk about forever. I said, what can I do? What You know, I really didn't have anything except for my interview with Tyler, which I wanted on a personal level, but I didn't have any bits planned. So when I went into the studio and he started reading all the hate mail, I just let myself go. I, I wanted... I, I it was so the show back in those days was so great. I said I got to have everybody at the water cooler talking today. What can I do? And no one has ever <laughs> cried like that. No man has ever <laughs> cried like that. I said I'm just going to burst out and let it all happen. So I just <laughs> let the I let the emotion like an act. It wasn't you know I really was crying, but I let it get to me because I wanted it to. I wanted to to make it happen. You know, right, and right. so I just started letting myself wow. and and, <laughs> and once I started. It was like, it was like when you puke and you then all of a sudden you can't stop puking. Yeah, you know you get that yeah. gag reflex and so it just keeps coming. That's how it was, and I just I started
1: bawling. You know, what's funny was they they would play your sound bites for weeks. Like I can't, you know, when you're <laughs> that would like I would like be crying myself. Chris, you saw the uh, the whole the whole week, right? Yeah. The, what did you have any anything well, to like, add
4: it, Like besides yourself. Like if, yeah. if if you didn't win, who who did you think should have won?
2: I, I thought Sal had a great week. I really did. He 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 was great on the show during his week, and so I would say he was probably the best. Right. That, I don't think Richard Christie was. I really don't think he was the best. I, I I I never got it. Like I just and it's probably a personal thing, but I just didn't find him funny. It just I didn't understand it. You know, no, personally.
1: Either. Yeah, Sal um, was pretty good.
4: Yeah, that was awesome. That was you're
2: taking, great.
4: You're taking John's job, and, and what John did was throw people under the bus all the all day. And yeah, with Gary, and that's what Sal did. And that's what that's what you do. So it was between me and you when I was in the and, and Bob Levy because I was I'm, I love Bob Levy, but I don't know if fit. Yeah, I mean,
2: it was it was all personal choice, you know. And but but the whole thing was a scam. Anyway. like I say, Rich Christie, I never even to this day I never really understood what the love fest was for him because I, I, he just doesn't make me laugh. never did, but he was already hired. They, he had been giving bits to the show, um, behind the scenes, I think for a long time that they would use on the air. So when they were looking for someone to come, they had a budget for somebody to come in and pay. Right. They had already hired him, you know, to come in and do stuff behind the scenes. So like I said, he was already hired. So there was no contest for John's job, but Sal had such a strong week that they had no choice. They, had, they really had to bring him in because it was weird if they didn't because he was clearly much better than Richard Christie, you know?
1: Right.
2: Yeah. So they, they ended up bringing him in and making him a team. But besides that, for me, it was just a fun experience. you know? Cause I don't know if I could have taken that job anyway because it doesn't pay very well, and I'd be giving up a lot of money and a career to do what? To stay in the right. back room and, and think of phony phone calls? Yeah, exactly. Right, right,
1: because you were already making really good money. So. Yeah,
2: it wasn't like I needed, uh, I mean, Sal, was, was at he, he wasn't doing well. He was a stockbroker uh, who, who was very bad at it. He wasn't a good stockbroker, and uh, he, he wanted to be a stand-up comic. So for him, it made a lot of sense to, to follow that dream and to get on the Stern show. Right. For me, I had a pretty good career going. Like I, I, if I was offered the job, I really don't know if I could have taken it, <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so then that, so after that, shortly after that, we had um, (laughs) Stern's announcement going to Sirius, right? Right. And you happened to be in the studio that day because you had, you'd created the Amputee Beauty Pageant for your original show, right? (laughs) Right.
2: I've been doing that for years and years. Yeah. Right.
1: So, so you handed that bit over to Stern, and you coordinated the Amputee Beauty Pageant. Was that the day of the series announcement?
2: Um, oh. You know what? I, I think it was. To be, I'm not 100% sure, because I, I was in the studio with so many crazy things. Yeah. But, but uh, it might have been. I'm not 100% sure. It could also have been the day that Robin wanted to inspect my penis.
1: <laughs> what? Wait what?
2: When I had the the Peronies disease uh, uh-huh. <laughs> moment, when I, I I broke my penis from jerking off. And um, I remember yeah. that. It's, yeah,
1: that's right. Because you
4: jerk off <laughs> with your dick straight up, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I, have I, what I
4: happened? Don't know why I know that. I'm sorry. I'm
1: I, sorry.
2: G- <laughs> you get calcium deposits in, 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 oh in God. your penis, and it backs up, and so you get like a blood restriction, and so you get this giant bulb, just size of a golf <laughs> ball, on the side of your dick, and it. And they have to do surgery to fix it. It's a whole mess. Anyway, so Robin wanted to see, the, the, you know, what happened after uh-huh. I had gotten into that kind of So it might have been from that or it could have been from the beauty pageant. I don't so, really recall. But either way, I was in the studio when he, he actually made the announcement. And that's what was the beginning of the end for me as far as yeah. the show goes.
1: Now, now back up to the amputee beauty pageant real quick. So you, you actually do. <laughs> I mean, you really do have an amputee fetish, right?
2: I do, yeah,
1: and 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 I know that. Yeah. You, he, Cha- seriously, Chauncey, Chauncey, you would say the critic things to that Miss Amputee. I forgot her name, but but he would say, you know, he wants her. Jen, to, Jen
2: I think the name was. Yeah, Jen. that's
1: right, that's right. He wanted her to like do things with her her nub. <laughs> it was, like horrible. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe he said that.
2: Oh, um, on my radio show, we did a thing called Spin the Gimp. We had a girl with no arms and legs, and we actually spun her. And where her head pointed, you'd have to like do whatever. It's... I mean, we. What the fuck?
3: <laughs>
2: Spin oh the Gimp god. was one of my favorite bit. <laughs>
1: Now, Chris, I think you might have some insight to amputees. Anything you want to discuss here? (laughs)
4: Um, I mean, am I I not alone? Another devotee? Yeah, (laughs) I wouldn't call myself a. I I don't have a fetish, but I mean, I'll take it how it comes. I mean, I've dated a girl that had one leg. (laughs) Where was
1: where was was her leg? Like, how much of a leg did she have? Was it
4: Uh, cut off at the knee?
1: Oh, okay. Well, so she had half a leg.
4: Yeah, the the best
2: ones are the ones who were like former models who were stunningly beautiful and then got into an accident and something happened.
4: Yeah, exactly. Because,
2: or... because they feel like damaged goods and they're still, yep. their spirits are broken and yet you can never get this girl normally, but because, like, it's almost like buying off the rack when one sleeve is too long. <laughs> like, you can never afford that,
4: you know, normally, but... <laughs>
1: Chance, you sound like such a predator.
4: <laughs> but he's right though. It's exactly right. This girl thought she was so ugly, but she was way out of my league and, and, and I mean, she, she You just
2: gotta like, yeah, you gotta just get past, you know, the long sleeves.
4: Yeah. I mean she'd put her <laughs> prosthetic on the table and I'd be like, Hey, get your foot off the table
1: <laughs> Oh God. So then And and there's
2: also something there's something very funny about I mean there's so much humor. That you can do with an amputee. For my show, when I had the internet show, mm-hmm. there was so much you could do with an amputee. I mean, I just, there was so much to talk about. I just loved them, you know? Mm-hmm. They were just, it was great. I, I couldn't get enough of them. If I could, we tried to do a pay per view special where it was just about amputee, like an amputee beauty pageant on a bigger level, like, you know, hundreds of women, you know, with the mm-hmm. whole thing, with the orchestra and. We really wanted to play big, but we couldn't get it past, you know, the powers that be the executives that uh, HBO wouldn't go for. it. Nobody would go for it. But yeah, we had it's so many like, great it, meetings where so I thought it would happen.
1: It's like saying something bad about Michael Jackson. You know, it's just off limits. <laughs> right. Things
2: are just off limits, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to be, but these women were all, they were all willing. That's what made it's so great. It wasn't like we were taking a net and catch him on the street and bring them back to do a, you know, a beauty page. They were begging for it. They wanted to do it. Yeah. You know, but no, it's such a dirty little thing to talk about or to to make light of that. You know, you're a perv if you if you. If you if you find the humor in it, you're a pro. Yeah,
1: I think it's hilarious. So so then so you were there the day of the of the serious announcement, whether it was for right. amputees or for your dick or whatever, and <laughs> and so you this is oh, the, this was the <laughs> this was the beginning of the end, right? I mean, this was it this... was the beginning
2: of the end. Who, who knew? But yeah, it really was because what, what happened? I, I just to go back one step. Uh, two months before that i had a, a gig on abc uh world news on demand which was the cable internet um version of abc world news you could actually go online and watch news reports i remember that on your or oh, even on some a lot of cable outlets it was airing on cable you know it was their version of cnn
1: you were and, awesome on that let me let me just let me just interrupt for just a second because i <laughs> i used to watch chauncey on his it was abc news go go news or news now or something yeah, like that yeah yeah
2: something like that and, yeah
1: and who was it that was married to the Heinz? Gigi,
2: St- Gigi Stone was yeah, the host.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, and and there was, at the time, was it Carrie who was married to the Heinz heir? Who was married? Or Edwards?
4: No, Carrie was married to the Heinz heir.
1: Okay, so 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 she comes out like for some announcement or something wearing a red dress, and Chauncey's Chauncey's take on it was she's telling us to buy ketchup. <laughs> Chauncey, I mean, you yeah. were great on that
2: show. <laughs> anyway, the... well, I, what got me kicked off that show was <laughs> Diane Sawyer was That's... filming the intro to uh, 2020. 10 feet from where I would do my segment. So I'm in this room in the big twenty You know what they do? The nightly news? Uh You know, that big chair. I was 10 feet away from that with a camera on me doing my stupid gossip segment. And uh, Diane Sawyer is about 10 feet from me doing the intro for 2020. And while I'm doing, and my forecast was live. It was live Mm -hmm. TV. She looks at me and goes, shh. Because she's trying to talk, and I'm like, I look at Gigi Stone on the camera. and Go, I was just shushed by Gigi's uh, by Diane Sawyer. I'm not allowed to talk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and that went on the air, said, right?
2: Yeah, <laughs> I said on live TV. I said I can't, I can't continue my broadcast because Diane Sawyer's telling me to shh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the last broadcast I did on ABC. I got fired from that. Uh, it just it cracked me up that she's yelling at me while I'm on camera talking.
1: <laughs> that's pretty funny.
2: <laughs> so anyway, but, I, but my last podcast was, she, they said, so you're friends with Howard. How long, you know, what do you think he's going to do when his contract expires? And I said, well, my, if I was betting, I'd bet he'd go to Sirius Satellite Radio because Opie and Anthony's on XM. He's not going there. And, you know, it's probably a, a, a big money offer, you know, from Sirius waiting mm-hmm. for him if he decides to go that way. That, that's my guess. Mm-hmm. I know whatever a few, few weeks go by and I'm in Stern and he goes I have a big announcement to make today and I was like oh what is it what is it he goes, um, I'm leaving to go to Sirius Solid Radio and I, I, I had predicted it so so lo and behold a few months go by and I'm at my desk at work and I get a call and they say it's from the Securities Exchange Commission they want to have a word with you mm-hmm. I'm like well what do they want so I pick it up and I swear to god I thought it was Sal playing a joke he goes Well, we want uh, you to come in for questioning about uh, your prediction and how it was going serious. And I hung up the phone, thinking it was Sal. I just (laughs) hung the phone up. They called back the next day. Please don't hang up the phone. We're from the Securities Exchange Commission. We need you to come in. I hung up the phone again. (laughs) <laughs> so I th- I'm, I'm assuming someone's goofing on me because they wouldn't call. I don't even—I don't even own stock, you right? Know?
1: And you're used to that with Sal. I mean, that's how yeah, Sal operates. That kind
2: of that, that's yeah. so Sal. That's Sal so. Sal has stern. even
1: Sal tricks his family still to this day. You know, they know the shit, and he he still finds a way to needle his way in. You know,
4: and I have a, I have a feeling Sal knows what an SEC guy sounds like on the phone too.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it sounds like such a Sal thing because he's yeah. a stockbroker. You know, yeah. So I w- I wasn't going to play along, so I kept hanging up. So then I get a FedEx package in, in the mail, and it's from the secu- it's a subpoena from the Securities Exchange Commission. And I'm like, oh, come on, this can't be real. I go, this can't be real. So I call Gary up, Gary Del Bate,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and he he doesn't want to know about it. He's like, ah, you know, don't bug, don't bug me with this stuff. So then I talk to Will. Here, yeah, don't bug me. I call Jason. Ah, you know, that's pretty funny. If someone's goofing on you, that's funny. Don't worry about it. So then... So I no, I, I send Gary an email saying maybe Dominic Barber should look at this. Gary's like, you know, don't bug me with this. It's bullshit. Don't don't worry. So now I've I've gone through the whole Stern staff trying to get their feedback on it. No one is talking. No one mm-hmm. will even advise me what to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So I I go to my buddy at the New York Post, who at the time was Richard Johnson, page mm-hmm. six. Say, Richard, you know, do you have any friends in the business? Can you direct me to someone in your business section that can look at a subpoena and tell me if it's real or not so it goes yeah it gives me a fax number and a name so i send it to someone at the post and the guy the business editor goes yeah this looks pretty real he goes i'm going to check into it and see you know what's going on the next day on the front page of the new york <laughs> post is my subpoena and a picture of howard jesus <laughs> goodbye oh my the end God. So it's then, nice knowing you
1: yeah so then they're like oh shit this this guy's gonna like get us in trouble even though nothing no one no one in that circle had done anything wrong um,
2: no one had done anything wrong but it, they looked at they thought they looked at it as i was already known as the villain on the show now mm-hmm. they're thinking i'm trying to do something off howard to get world press like like a big scandal like i'm working on trying to to get how it voted in jail and get my name in the papers. Meanwhile, what people don't know is I called everyone on the show begging for their input or advice on what I should do. Right. No one would tell me anything. So, you know, I'm not going to pay for a lawyer. At, at least I didn't want to at the time. So I just said, okay, Richard, you know, tell me what you think it is. I, I, never thinking for a second that this is going to be the front page of the post the next day which it turned into and that then is from there
4: Richard Johnson though man didn't that cross your mind I mean
2: but you know, but, but you got to remember I have a relationship with friends
4: you know it, sure, it's like
2: sure. I it wasn't like um I was giving him a gossip report it was like hey we talk all the time it was like it was like me calling Roe or anybody else saying hey yeah. what do you think of this yeah and um, so I, it, it wasn't like I was giving him a gossip item I was asking him for a name of someone in the paper that could look at a subpoena and tell me, you know, if this is the real deal or am I being goofed on.
1: Right, because and, they should uh, know. They probably just, get served in a my lot, heart. Yeah.
2: It, in my heart I really thought it was fake. I mean it didn't look real. It didn't even yeah. look real. And I didn't even think well, who would subpoenas don't come in a FedEx package. I figured someone has to throw you know, someone makes you sign for it or it comes you know a guy in a suit brings it or a detective. I, I just didn't it wasn't I wasn't piecing it together as being legit it didn't mm-hmm. seem legit to me the whole thing seemed kind of ridiculous so anyway after that the shit hit the fan and then um, I had to get well, well you know you got me my attorney
1: yeah yeah <laughs> that's true what was the guy's name again Richard uh,
2: oh I forget his name but he was br- he was brilliant yeah <laughs> I and mean, he was a great high powered attorney yeah
1: and,
2: and he advised me he came to the, the meet the the committee meeting with me. I had to meet with the board of directors at the s e c and he sat there with me while they spent eight hours drilling me on questions about the entire stern show yeah <laughs> oh that's funny. and uh it, it was really incredible and then and he, he I got an offer to do Neil Cavuto on Fox News to talk oh, about it and clear, right. and clear, yeah, that's clear the I air. I
1: forgot about that with
2: Jessica Hahn. No, no, that was something oh. else. That, that, oh. that came later. Th- this was just to go on Neil Cavuto and just talk about the SEC and the scandal and what's going on. Is Howard guilty of this crime? Mm-hmm. So I figured, well, this is a great way to fix everything. I'm going to go on Neil Cavuto, and I'm going to tell everybody exactly how stupid this is that I thought it was Sal sending me a subpoena <laughs> and, <laughs> And, you know, I predicted just dumb luck. I predicted how it was going on serious. And that's why the SEC figured that Howard and I knew something. And we went to cahoots to pump up stock. And because that's what was, the whole thing was about. The SEC thought that Howard told me he was going serious. And that uh, he told me to, so I would leak that to the press and then mm-hmm. boost the stocks of mm-hmm. Sirius before he made his move. It was, and they thought there was something dirty going on, you know.
1: Right, right.
2: Which is, it was so ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and so I went on Nicobuto to say just that, and then that was really the final straw, I guess. At that point, you know, Howard started, he was on vacation that whole week. He came back from vacation. The first thing he did is talk about it, and I called in to say how it, you know, just so you know. And he didn't want to hear it. He just basically said, you know, I hope you enjoyed your your week of fame. Goodbye. And I said goodbye, and that was the last we ever spoke.
1: Wow! So um, now that's a few years ago. So, do you 2004. think... two thousand four? Yeah, yes. and you were pretty close with Beth Ostrowski, who's now wife. Very
2: close. Right? Yeah, we were very good friends.
1: Yeah. So, so do you think there's any mending of that relationship? Or,
2: no. Or, no. <laughs> no. I th- that's that relationship. Because it's taken on a life of, it, the whole thing has taken on a life of its own over the years. Right. It's, it, it's morphed into, I think, so much more than it really is. The story I just told you is the whole story. Right. It, it's really not that incredible. It's a one-day event that of, of, of a series, of a chain reaction of a series of things that happened. This is a hatred beyond what I can, what I can explain to you, what I can verbalize to you. hmm uh, uh, and, and, and I think it's compounded by the people around Howard, you know, who have formed a tight circle that continue to say, "This is a bad guy. This is a terrible person." You know, we right. don't we can't have him around us because it really gets ugly like that in there. It's it's a weird, it's a weird thing. It's almost like a cult of some sort yeah. of weird Scientology thing.
1: Now it's almost and, like if someone goes out, they hate them, like John and Jackie. You
2: you have to be you have to be hated, and that goes that even stretches into the fans. Mm -hmm. I I had a woman who wanted to put a bullet in my head because she was angry about the Neil Cavuto report. Sent me an email saying she was going to do it. I handed it to my local police. Saying, hey, look, not that I think she's going to do it, but this woman wants to put a bullet in my head. If I ever find I'm dead with a bullet, this is probably the person who did it. Right, (laughs) right. And I dropped her off. They gave it to the computer crime task force uh, here in New Jersey, and they flew out to Ohio where this woman lived, and they showed up on a door and said, you know, you sent this email to a journalist, you know, we just need to know if do you really intend on doing this? Thinking she would say, Oh my god, this is a joke and they would say, Don't do it again and walk away. Right. She says to them, No, yeah, I do. I, I really need it. I'm gonna find him and kill him and put a bullet in his head. Oh. And they said, Ma'am you have know, children and a husband. Do you wanna change that comment you just made? She goes, No, I'm gonna find him. He he fucked Howard over and if I ever see him, I'm going to kill him. Wow. And they took her to jail, and, and she got <laughs> and she, she went to prison.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and she was actually convicted of a felony, right?
2: She was convicted of a felony. Yeah. She refused to retract her statement. Yeah. Refused. And, then, and, then the, the, and I got a bad rap for that, because if I said, oh, somebody's going after a mother in Ohio. Yeah. Meanwhile, it wasn't even me. I just handed her email to the police saying, you know, I got this hate email. If, if you think it's something, you know, it needs to be investigated, investigate. Mm-hmm. I didn't even charge her. The, the
4: state charged her. Yeah. It had to. to. To be fair, you got a bad rap with the fans, but I do remember Stern defending you. On, in, about, in that he, instance? Not defending, but saying, hey, if somebody's going to tell me they're going to kill me on the Internet, I'm going to fucking go to the cops myself.
1: Well, you have
2: to. If someone says they're going to kill you, I mean, you, I have a wife. You know, I don't live behind a gated community. You can actually come to my house and kill me if you want. So if okay. you if you're gonna, if you're gonna say, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. You, <laughs> <laughs> I actually had to get a long system after that. Yeah. It, you know, you just have in this world you just don't know. There's a lot of crazy people, and if so, and I get a lot of hate mail, but sometimes they just are, are a little too real for comfort, and those mm-hmm. are the ones you have to hand over, and you know, then it's up to the to the police what they want to do.
3: Yeah.
1: And this
2: one woman really apparently had, you know, I don't know if she ever would have done it, but. She was too stupid to say she wouldn't.
1: Well, and she was still on the internet talking about it, like oh, how she you was right. It. Yeah, yeah. She
2: yes, even we, for months afterwards, the cops and the were cops were reading these emails. She was on the internet posting that she still planned on doing it, and, yeah. and the police are like, you're sti- "We were we we're coming to arrest you, and you're still saying to that that you're going to do these things." Yeah, you're still fresh You're still harassing the guy on the internet, and, and we've been to your house begging you to stop.
1: Yeah, and, and this was back when Internet lawsuits were just unheard of. Now the law is kind of catching up to, to people. To yeah, there was
2: nothing me. I could really do. I couldn't sue. There's nothing. You could say right. anything you wanted about me, and it was really, I had no rights. So for her to be because it was Internet.
1: Yeah, for her to be convicted of that back then was a big deal because there was really no other cases for comparison on that.
2: Yeah, it, yeah, it was one of the first where they yeah. actually came and, and locked somebody up for it.
1: Yeah, you're always the innovator, Chauncey. <laughs> if
4: they use that like, Your Honor. I'd like to go to people versus uh, Hayden to. Uh...
1: Yeah,
2: but again, but again, but again, it goes back to oh well, Chauncey's is working for publicity. Chauncey's, you know, anything his name in the papers. But, meanwhile, I'm just sitting home minding my own business. <laughs> but this is how things snowball, well, and you get a reputation, especially like you said earlier with the Stern fans,
3: right? But, and Even
2: with the crew on show, and how the perception is that how it hates you they magnify it by hitting you ten times more to gain Howard's approval. This is how sick it is. If they, they feel they hate you as much as Howard does in their minds, then Howard will love them. Yeah. And, That's... It, and, and, it, and these are people who I knew who were friends, you know, and you realize how sick they are.
1: That's true. The, the the way the a lot of the stern fans are. they they will like defend him. They don't want to hear that he's a hypocrite. They don't want to hear that, that maybe he's lied about his nose job or he's lied about. Doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. Like, no
2: hypocritical. how hypocritical it is. Richard Johnson, at page six, wrote that Howard had paid a stripper had bought a stripper a car, an SUV.
1: Uh
2: huh. Howard denied it up and down, saying that Richard Johnson lied. You know, he never would do something like that. Yet there was never a retraction, never a lawsuit. And Richard Johnson and a lot of his coworkers have been on the Stern show dozens of times since then. Right. Can you imagine if I wrote Howard bought a stripper an SUV and it wasn't true that he would have me on the show again?
1: Exactly.
2: But but for some reason, it's fun.
1: And this was <laughs> you know? while Stern do you think was that married. Did actually happen?
2: I it probably did because the, I, I'm sure if it didn't, Howard would have made his lawyers, you know, he has the best lawyers in the world. They would have made the post retracted. So I'm sure it was true. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, Howard used to get blowjobs at score. I mean, they're, they're, believe me, there's so many things that people don't know uh, that, about Howard. But, you can't say these things because if you do, you'll be kicked off the show or never allowed back on. Right. But, but it But ju- it just killed me that Richard Johnson could say that and yet, it's all okay. It's fine. But, I did something that was beyond my own means. I'm just mm-hmm. sitting in my office, and I got the subpoena, and how it snowballed into such a hatred. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it, was just, it just makes me laugh. And now I look back on it, and it, I, I, I crack up at it because it's so ridiculous. But right. the hypocrisy is so insanely over the top that I, you can't take any of it serious. It's just a big joke, you know? Right. And, you the, and the, for me, it was the best thing that ever happened, getting away from it all, because it is like a sick cult, uh, yeah. uh, like a religion. And, and it does consume you, and it does change the way you think and look at things. And you do look at this guy as godlike, and he's just a, a DJ, yeah. <laughs> you know? Any, any of us can do it. You guys are doing it. I did it. You, anyone can talk into a mic.
1: Yeah.
4: But, uh, but
2: they look at him like a god.
1: Yeah.
4: Yeah, there are a bunch of sick of fans, man. Really sick people. Do you think? Do you think that he took this so much serious, more serious than the Richard Johnson thing? Because you kind of hit him in his pocketbook, or he perceived it as you hit him in his pocketbook?
2: No, I. Did, I think he, uh, for me, it was on two levels. It was one. I think he thought I was part of, of an inner circle that um, where the code of silence is, is the most important thing. Well, you don't talk about anything, you don't go to the press, you don't do anything to get Howard's name in the paper, you know, if you're in that circle. Mm -hmm. So he didn't care so much about me, he just didn't want me in that circle anymore, which involved, and he was going to punish me for it, for for putting his face on the front page of the New York Post. The punishment for me that he handed down was a, a ban from the show, which if I kept my mouth shut and just never said anything again, probably... Couple of years later, two years later, he had me back on again, you know, and we probably would have gotten back to normal. Mm-hmm. But I just was so angry that I don't know. Just just the whole, seeing the process of how everyone hates you because Howard hates you, and I, I said to myself, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't want to be on your stupid show. Yeah. I don't want to listen to you. You know, You're, this whole thing's bullshit. And, and that's that's when. All bets were off, and we started firing shots at each other. Like, he would say things about me, and any chance I had, I would say things about him after that, you know. I, I, I think he's been my ass all the week, two or three times. For, yeah, that's he right. Said I, you know, all bets were, were off. because, yeah. And that's the greatest and most empowering feeling, because he knows he has no control over me now. Like, now I'm the most dangerous person to him, because he knows I don't give a shit about who he is or getting on his show, it means nothing to me. Right. So he, he, he actually fears me now more than ever before because God forbid I ever come up with something bad on him, you know, I'll write about in a second because I, he, I don't need to be on the show. Where normally you'd say, well, I can't talk about this because I'll be banned from the show. Right. That no longer exists. So well, that- he kind of loses, loses all his power. He just becomes another guy. He's a, to me, he's just a tall, skinny, rich guy. Yeah. You know. He's nothing more than that to me. Where to everybody else, you know, he he's still God.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know why because I, I, Chris has a different opinion than me. But I just can't take the show anymore. It's too much ass kissing and and like Robin, like yeah. when they used to fight, they used to mix it up, like you said. And Those now it's are over, yeah, yeah. And now it's just like kiss his ass, you know. And, because, and I just like, can't but,
2: Well, to it. I, I think I even set the precedent for that because. I think with me, it was like a lesson to all the others. Uh-huh. It was like, see what I did to Chauncey, and I'll do it to you too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that was kind of what it was. And ever since me, everyone is terrified <laughs> to do anything yeah. to get them angry. So you just say, it's almost like, you ever see that Twilight Zone where it Billy, uh, Bill Mummy, when he, he can make people go into the cornfield by, by oh. thinking, like if you think nasty thoughts and make you go away?
1: Yeah, you went to the cornfield.
2: I got sent to the cornfield. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else who thinks nasty thoughts gets sent to the cornfield too. Yeah. So everyone's everyone's like, "Yes, Howard. Anything you want, Howard. Howard's the best. You're great, Howard. That was yeah. a great show today. Howard, That was a real good show today. You did a real good job today, Howard. Because you almost get sent to the cornfield."
1: Yeah, and I haven't listened in, since around the time that you left too, because that's when it started. Like when they made the move to Sirius, is when it I started losing what I'd felt towards the
2: show, you know? So. A lot of people, though, and that's the other thing, you know, the, the numbers are so exaggerated. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I don't, I, honest to God, I mean, it's nothing to do with my feelings towards Howard or the show, but mm-hmm. I don't know, I personally do not know anyone at this moment that listens to the Howard Stern show. There was a time when I couldn't, there was nobody who I didn't know. Yeah. That didn't. I mean, young and old, everyone, I, I couldn't give you a name now of anyone who I know who knows anything about that show anymore. There are people who still think I'm on the show. I run into people all the time saying, how's this show going? They (laughs) haven't heard it in four years. They, they think I'm. They think everything's fine. Like, hey, how, how? I said hi.
1: <laughs> okay, I will. <laughs> I, yeah, I will. No worries.
2: Thank you. Thank you. For being on the show. Love you on the show. Like, thanks.
1: So now, Chris, I know you're. You probably have a rebuttal to that because Chris is a big fan still. I think to yeah. this day, right? What, well, I'm, a have...
4: sh- I'm a fan of the show. You can be a fan of the show without being a fan of Howard, and uh-huh. I, I do see the hypocrisy in Howard. I mean, pretty much he is a, Like he. Personifies hypocrisy. He used to be the guy who's like, "Don't dump your wife and get yourself a trophy wife." Now he he did that. You know. Yeah. I mean, I see all the hypocrisy. I'm just I'm just in for a radio show that that, that finds funny things and the media finds. Fun- I, I'm I'm there to laugh. I like Artie. I like. I'm not. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I'm, you know. I think what you're saying and do you remember David Moore, we had him on the show once, but he, he said to me, Stern isn't the best as he Stern isn't as good as he used to be, but I'm in it until I find something better. Find me something better and I'll switch. And there's I mean, I guess there's I mean there was Opie and Anthony never even came close, did they?
2: But you won't find you won't find anything better because that age is gone. Yeah. That brand of humor. I mean how much shock radio was great when it was shocking
1: right in this
2: in this time in our life that, that, that's so far beyond us, behind us, there's nothing that's shocking anymore. I mean I mean what do you do? unless we have public executions, there's nothing that's really that shocking hey, an and, and even with my even with my show, I got to the point where we were doing so much sick stuff, and I used to say to Jamie, my producer,'. Going, what can we possibly do tomorrow to be more, <laughs> you know, entertaining, if you want to call it that, than this? I said, everything's going to be boring that we do from here on in because we can't top this. And I think with that, but shock radio became the same thing. I mean, how many times can you hear Howard do the same bits over and over? As he gets older and older, there's nothing he can really do. And there's nobody coming up that could do what he did before and make it fresh because we've heard it a million times.
1: Yeah. That's, by a million you know different shocks. I guess that's true. Now, Chris pointed out that two girls, one cup is pretty shocking. Which to me, that that, that turned you on, didn't it, Chauncey? I'm <laughs> just kidding. You no,
2: know, actually, it, it, it kind of did. No, oh, no. no, no, that that made, no, that made me sick. that actually made me vomit. Yeah, that I, I, was gag, sick. I got my gag uh, reflex you know, on with that.
1: Yeah. But do you
2: think that's real? By the way.
1: I think it's real because I you actually see the stuff coming out, right?
4: No, I, it's chocolate ice cream that got shoved up there. I think. But
1: yeah, but, but that's um, still... what I think it
2: is. I think it's chocolate ice cream.
1: But yeah, it's still but, up there. The, 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 though. Puking, the
4: puking's real.
1: Ooh. But but you gotta figure whatever it is is still up there, right? It's still up there.
4: Yeah, but like... it's just not shit, you know.
2: <sighs> yeah, I mean, you could if you wipe real good and clean, and then you uh... do it. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Bro. <laughs> <laughs> <Hello? laughs>
1: Oh, God. You never tossed the salad? No, I can't say I
2: have. Are you serious?
1: Yeah, I'm serious. Oh, come on. This isn't about never, me. Never
2: curious? Never never a curiosity?
1: No, no, no. How about you, Chris? Let's put Chris on the spot.
4: I, I mean, yeah, I tossed the gross salad. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Of course. It's, like a, it's a quarter inch away.
1: Oh.
2: It's right there. It's quite, Exactly. It's a quarter inch away. <laughs> Even by accident.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm like so blushing right now. Anyways, let's move on. So, anyways, Johnson. <laughs> so, um, so now you had a falling out with Richard Johnson, right?
2: Oh, an awful fall. We're still involved in a major lawsuit, yeah.
1: Oh, wait, what's that about? I didn't know that.
2: Well, of course it involved with Opie and Anthony. I, I, I got a call from one of the, one of the ex-producers of Opie and Anthony, mm-hmm. Rick Delgado. And Rick said, hey, I got a great item for you. I'm like, what is it, Rick? He said, Opie's girlfriend was involved in a sex tape with oh, Bam and oh, of MTV. Oh, that's and right. I'm like, oh, wow. I said, that would be amazing if that's true. He said, oh, dude, it's definitely true. You know, if I, have, I have one of the guys on the show that used to work for the show, has the tape. So I'm like, well, this is a great story. I, I, and I just interviewed Chelsea Chant handler from e uh-huh. and she told me about a sex tape too that she was in so i put both items together <laughs> and i sent them to richard johnson saying hey you know i had two sex tape stories one is you know the ex-producer of the stern of the Anthony show saying that he knows of a sex tape involving opie's girlfriend and then the chelsea handler one so i get a, a call from his um co-worker bill hoffman he goes hey you know we don't we don't really don't care about um chelsea handler but we like the opie thing he said have you seen the tape i'm like no i haven't seen it i'm trying to get my hands on it and after i see it i'll let you know and tell you you know what i think and he said yeah he goes and we'll work the story on this end let us know what you find out Mm -hmm. the next day there's an item in page six that says chauncey you know tells us there's a a sex tape and this is what's on it and this is what happened meanwhile i'm just telling him what his ex told me, and I never I never wrote a story about it, never printed it, never saw it, yeah. and, and they were so anxious to get it in the paper that they just went ahead and, and made it up, The ah. whole, you know. And, and so it, it reads as if I called and told them that this is what's on tape, and I saw it, which was such bullshit. Oh. So anyway, it, it, it turned into a whole big thing, and Richard Johnson got sued, and then... He wrote a retraction saying it was all my fault, and I, I went after him. And another, an- <laughs> you know, what I realized you can't be in this industry, you can't be in entertainment, and not for twenty years as long as I have, right. and not have a long list of enemies. It's bound to happen when you when you dance with the devil, you're going to get burnt. Right. And, and I've danced with all the devils. I've danced with Howard, with obi Anthony, with Page Six. Every, and these are all. Bad people in general, because you know they chew people up and they spit them out. Right, that's the nature of the business. A- and if you're gonna, you may taste good at first, but eventually you're getting spit out. And I've been spit out by all of them.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> so, true. That, because you go up against them, though. You're not.
2: I go. Up, yeah. I go up against them, and, and and also, you know, if you even if you work side by side, you see these people come and go all the time. I mean, I have stepping out, and and it's very stable and it, and I can do whatever the hell I want, which I mm-hmm. think pisses a lot of them off because I just keep coming with more stuff and I can't be fired and I can't go away. And I watch all these people come and go in gossip columns on radio shows and all kinds of things. And it just gets to a point where eventually you just piss one person off once and, and you're gone for good. How, it's amazing that I've gone 20 years and have done what I've done, you know? Yeah. It's just that eventually, I'm going to piss Richard Johnson off, or we're going to have a falling out, and then that's going to be it. Eventually, after 20 years, I'm going to piss how it's done off, and that's going to be it. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, there's no way to avoid it. And- unless you're just willing to go and just stick, you stick your tongue so far up their ass that, you know, they like to have you around because they like the feeling. Yeah. And I, I can't be that person to these people. I can't.
1: And, and, and it hasn't affected you um, being able to get big names because you...
2: I no, mean, it's made it, in fact, it's made it easier. One of the things I've discovered is that in the past, the association I've had with Page Six and Howard Stern has hurt me. Mm-hmm. People didn't want to talk to me in fear that somehow they'd end up on the gossip columns or, or on Stern and get trashed. I, I have never had more success getting people to talk to me than I've had over the last four years because I'm not on those shows anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of an interesting thing. You may not know me as well. My name isn't being tossed around the water cooler as much anymore. But on the same token, I'm, I'm doing better at my job.
1: Yeah, so, that's
2: true. Know, it's a trade-off. You can't, have, you can't have it both ways. And I used to, I balanced, I tried to balance it for many, many years, and, and you really can't. You can't have it both ways. Where, when Howard was my friend, all the publicists hated me. Mm-hmm. When Howard hated me, all the publicists loved me. And, and it's <laughs> got to be one or the other. You can't have both. You just yeah. can't.
1: Yeah. So you now who? What names have you interviewed recently?
2: <laughs> I always hate that question. You know what? What? Because I don't remember. Anybody. Oh, okay.
1: I, I'll name some. You've you have you got Denise Richards. Oh, okay.
2: She? Yeah, yeah. Just she's this week. I just interviewed Denise Richards, who, who I, I think is, is really insanely good looking
1: is she smart though she seems like a dumb broad to me
2: no she's she is smart i'm telling what? you if she was dumb i would be the first to tell you the really? first
1: because i read her twitter she, sometimes and it's like oh my <laughs> god this this, yeah. this chick is a fucking airhead <laughs>
2: but you know when you talk you talk to her about her kids and about mm-hmm. charlie and about her career she sounds like any she sounds like she's such a a good-hearted person mm-hmm. i mean she really was devastated when her mother passed away, and mm-hmm. she really does love her father, and she really knows that Hollywood is full of bullshit, and she'll be the first to tell you. And, and she's so, I don't know, she she doesn't play the game. Or she just tells you anything. You could ask any, like Howard, he just asked about getting, you know, fucked in the ass, and he was willing to talk about it. There aren't many people in Hollywood that would do that.
1: Wait, 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 what?
2: Howard just had her, Howard just had her on the air, and he was asking her about, um, her sex life and she was telling him that, you know,
1: <laughs> everything. So, so did she get fucked in the ass? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah.
4: She was actually an okay guest. I thought she would suck, but she was She was good. Was not she
2: good? You heard you heard yeah. the interview? Yeah. I thought she was pretty good. And, and you know what? And that's who she really is. When I I had the same kind of vibe when I interviewed her. I I thought she was just real kind of it was cool. Like when you hang up when you hang up with them, like that was a really great person I just spoke to. That's how I felt. Mhm. You know, and if it wasn't that way, I would tell you because there are a lot of times when it's not. But that with her, it was.
1: Hmm. Well, yeah. She she seems interesting in the sense that I mean, she was married to Charlie Sheen, and didn't he have a lawsuit to keep her from putting the kids on that reality show or something? He
2: tried to stop her. Yeah. yeah. He, but now apparently they have they they've you know they've come to an understanding, and he likes the show now, and he he's okay with the kids being on because it's really not about the kids. It's more about her, and the kids are like a, just a brief sidebar that you see occasionally, but. It's not like uh, John and Kate, where it's about the kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he was afraid it was going to be about the kids, and he didn't want that, but it's not.
1: Now, who who was the bitch that you interviewed who was, like, slept (laughs) with 100 guys or something? Who was that?
2: (laughs) 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 I'm trying... Hey, I, I'm trying Sarah to think, Palin. who was
1: it? <laughs> Sarah Palin. <laughs> Someone just stirred up a lot of controversy because you asked her how many men she slept with, and she said, like, a hundred, is that so bad? And then it made like...
0: Oh, oh,
2: oh, 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 shit, yeah. Oh, you know who it was? Okay.
1: <laughs> Chauncey's a- stalling because I... he can't remember who it is. No, I
2: do I do know who it was. I, I, I always pronounce her name wrong, though. Erin Meyer uh-huh. from the VH1 show... um, is a charm school or?
1: Oh, oh, she's one of the Vince Neil skanks.
2: No, no, she wasn't one of those girls. Oh. This they took VH1 took twelve girls and tried to make them, you know, try and fix them, you Isn't know, make that, them more date worthy. That Ricky I'm Lake is the name of the show, Ricky but she Lake's was so popular. School. She oh, was not charm school. What the, oh it, god! See, this is I'm so bad at this stuff. But anyway, <laughs> she had a she had a big following. Aileen Meyer. You can look up on the internet. Aileen A R A I N Meyer. Uh-huh. She had a huge following because um, she's such a psycho. And she's the <laughs> one who told me that she you know everyone thought she was a slut. She goes, well, I, I slept with a hundred guys. That makes me a slut, <laughs> you know. And, and I was like, yeah.
1: <laughs> As a matter of fact. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah, I read about that in like and like on like TMZ or something I think is what it made
2: yeah that, <laughs> that one got out there that, yeah yeah but she was such a, a I never even watched the show but everyone could tell me you gotta have this girl on your cover you gotta have her on your cover <laughs> so I didn't really know much about her until you know 10 minutes before I interviewed her yeah but she turned out to be a, a, a big interview because everybody you know apparently was interested in this girl
3: yeah and that's she made TMZ that's the whole TMZ,
2: thing that was yeah. industry when I, when I started there was no reality TV uh-huh. so you had to have legitimate stars on your car both time. now with all these reality shows, it's changed. Like it, your interviews have changed. My, my interviews have changed because when, when you talk to these people, you're not talking about a, a career in show business and, and, you know, nobody wants to care about their thoughts about things. They just want to know about w- when they banged a the guy on this one show, how did it affect the other show they were on? And <laughs> you know, it's all yeah. reality TV questions. It's, it's weird. It's changed so much.
1: Now I'm, I'm going to start wrapping it up. But but one thing about sure. you, you, Chauncey, we've known each other for years now, right? Every yeah. once in a while, I'll be I'll be at the gym on the treadmill or something, and watching like CNN or something streaming across, and then all of a sudden I'll see Chauncey Hayden on the news, I'm like, oh, fuck, what's he doing? (laughs) Like on Neil Cavuto or, you know, or ABC or CNN or something. You don't know where I'm going to pop
2: up, and it's always, you know, when you see it, it's something bad's happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like the one time is when I saw you and Jessica Hahn going at it, I was at the gym, and I'm like, oh great.
2: (laughs) <laughs> yeah that that was um oh who was that that Laurie Dew was one of those shots again oh Rita Crosby That was Rita crosby m s n b
4: c
1: yeah, that's pretty funny anyways, did you have anything to to ask or add chris before before we wrap this up? <laughs> um I think
4: we pretty much covered pretty much yeah everything.
1: i I think this was a great interview, chauncey i mean <laughs> um anyways, let me give some plugs here vote for us on podcast alley search for z z list um Go to ZZZList.com, dot com. Read our blog. We have a new voicemail number area code three one zero four three nine 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 seven nine. Leave your messages. Um, we we'll, might play them on the air. Um, on MySpace, zzzlist or Auto TK or Chauncey. What's your MySpace?
2: Um, well, I you know, I don't check it that often, but it's, Ch- it's MySpace backslash Chauncey Hayden.
1: Okay, and that's C H A U N C E, and then on yeah, f- no why? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> on Facebook, Ro Hurley, Chris Otto, or Chauncey Hayden. Are you on Twitter, Chauncey? I,
2: I am, but I never use it because I haven't quite gotten into that flow. I don't understand it that much yet. I use oh. I use Facebook mostly. I but gotta I do tell have you, an account.
1: Chauncey, it's fucking hilarious I, I just follow like celebrities you know and like you'll get like Kirstie Alley is always going telling everybody how, how great her life is and stuff and, and you know it's like you know she's crying on the inside you know but but <laughs> if, if you just go to mine and follow everybody I follow and you will laugh your ass off I swear
2: <laughs> right. I have to start doing that more but I know it's, it is a rocket
1: it, it, like Chris and I last night we we, we crashed um, P. Diddy's white party, white party. Yeah. No. <laughs> so We're out there on twitter just making these random you know chris is saying you know hey i'm the dj i'm gonna do this and and i'm sitting there telling people you know hey piss in the pool and it's just really it's a lot of fun because you it's like you can actually fuck with these celebrities um but anyways so what what is your name on on twitter is it just chauncey hayden
2: yeah, I think it's just Chauncey okay. Yeah. Okay,
1: so mine is ZZZ List and then Otto's is Otto TK. Chauncey, your um your magazine website is SteppingOutMag dot com.
2: The, sh- well, the short version is s o magcom okay. mag dot com. S o mag.
1: Okay. And what else do you have going on? Are you writing some scripts and?
2: Yeah, I wrote a movie um about scores called Lap Dance.
1: Oh, that's right.
2: Nice. Yeah.
1: Is that in production? So-
2: no, we're still still working on it, but that got a lot of buzz. That got a two-page spread in Star Magazine, and uh, Entertainment Tonight did a big piece on it. So, uh, yeah, that, that's getting a lot of attention, so I have high hopes for that.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah, because we'll I see. did read about that in one of the magazines. Anyhow, yeah. um, Chauncey, thanks for joining us. I love you, man. <laughs> I swear to God, I yeah. love this man. Are you, By
2: the way... <laughs> You have a great voice for this. Like You really should have been doing this your whole life because you have such a great voice.
1: Oh, thank thanks, you. Right.
2: Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't talking to you, Ro. No, bro, you're all about that. I was talking about your co-host.
1: Oh, he's always stealing my thunder, that bitch. Yeah,
2: yeah Ro, you got to get out of the business. But your co-host has a real future.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no, that's a big compliment, actually, coming from no, you. Yeah, you're,
2: you're, no, yeah, it really is great. Well done. Yeah. Well done.
1: Thank you so much, and thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs>
2: alright
4: guys take care alright thanks again man
0: I was in heaven I was in hell believe in neither but